All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to the first ever Christmas Eve Kente Corner Spectacular. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I think I need no introduction here for who we have on the line. The people's champion, Ben Standing. Ben, what's up, man? Just let Santa know I'm doing a good deed. So, you know, we got we got a little more time before maybe I can get back onto the nice list and get off the naughty one. So uh just let him know we're you know I'm doing doing everything solid here. Yeah, there was some technical difficulties uh earlier on an earlier edition of Kente Corner. That oh, I didn't uh, even mean all that. I was just uh, you know, <laughs> just saying. I wasn't, try, I wasn't trying to throw you. No one's trying to throw you under the bus. Well, throw throw under the bus. I wasn't trying to uh, rat you at her. No, that's okay. I don't mind. I can take it. Anyway, for the ben, record, I was not involved in the prior issue, so this is not a burden for me. Happy to <laughs> happy to talk Georgetown as we hit the holidays. Absolutely, and you know, as we hit the holidays, a couple weeks ago, I did not think that Georgetown would be on a five-game winning streak the second longest of Patrick Ewing's tenure. I think it's more impressive than his longest winning streak, which I'm sure you're, can you guess where that was? His longest winning streak, but to start the, his first season. <laughs> yes. Yes. To start. Um, I will actually, how many points, how many points did they break, beat Lake Braddock high school by that year? Hey, Lake Braddock went to the state final last year in um, their classification. Can you name, Two teams that they beat in that initial eight and O start to Patrick Ewing's. Oh, boy! Let me think about who who was the, who was ranked three hundred and fiftieth that year. Um, <laughs> like was Howard in that mix? Howard was in the mix. Ding. Um, like South Carolina State. No. Missouri Kansas City. Am I thinking this one? I think Missouri Kansas City is the Kangaroos. No, they're not in it. Um, uh, well, hold on. Let me get one, one, one more, one more guess. Uh, think about like think about the actual good team they beat during that that start. Do you remember that one? Uh, it was a road game. Uh, no, I don't remember anything anymore. They went down and they won at Richmond. Oh, that's right. That's right. But the other games were Jacksonville, Mount St. Mary's, UMES, Maine, Coppin State, Howard, you got right, and uh, North Carolina A and T. Both well, letters. I, I was trying to think of I was trying to think of more MEAC schools because I knew there was like five, but yeah. um anyway, not to labor on that. I know one of our favorite topics is talking about how terrible that schedule was. But yeah, they're on a five game well, streak. Now we're seeing it in Jessa because now it is spurred <laughs> It was a, it was a building block to now turn Georgetown into the greatest team uh, in college basketball. Well, they're not the greatest team yet, but they do have two, I would say, of the best players, particularly in the league. So McClung had gone back to back. He did not get the was it Tommy Mansky the back to back to back whatever that commercial was. He didn't get three <laughs> times in a row Big East Player of the Year or of the week, but. Omir Yurt Seven, who had a crazy week, got himself back on the honor roll. He's made four of the seven honor rolls. Those two guys are pretty good, right? I mean, that's, as far as college basketball goes, in sort of like a year of not like there's no real national stars. There's no Zion. 
those are two pretty good guys to have, right? For for, for sure. And um, I got was right before we did this. I, I, I was like, you know, I haven't really looked at the stats of the Big East players. Obviously, they haven't gone head to head, so these stats are just you know human beings playing different schedules and the context is everything and all that. But okay, that said, year seven right now is fourth in the Big East in scoring with 18.3 a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the top two guys are Marcus Howard, Miles Powell. So, I mean, you know, that's you know, what we're talking about here. Uh, and then McClung is tied for seven with, uh, what's he? I think he's like 15. Uh, yeah, he's at uh, 16.2. And that's, I mean, and obviously he's gone off, you know, even more you know, since they've gone on this winning streak. So it's even, you know, sort of like he's definitely trending up for sure. And, you know, the, the weird thing about college basketball, I, I was talking to a, a this little, I was talking to a former D1 coach today, and uh, we were talking about uh, Maryland, and he was talking about how I like, have Maryland, you know, kind of feels like they're kind of blowing this a little bit for them. I mean, they were ranked three in the country, and now they've lost a couple games. And the real thing is, look, I mean, you're going to lose. College basketball is you know, not easy. But this is a year that a team that isn't just Duke and Kentucky and, you know, in Kansas can do something because there's no dominant teams right now. It feels as wide open as whatever. And this is not for me to say, hey, let me start talking about Georgetown winning the title. It's to say because you have two guys who do appear to be at the top, you know, among the, the top of, of this conference, you know, there's something to be said for having good talent. And if, you know, if, if they have figured out a – uh, I'm in College Park with a few people, and uh, one of the people is this guy, Bob Trossett, that you and I know. He used to work with me at NBC Sports Washington. He's now in Baltimore, yeah. working out a uh, big radio station there. And he and I are there, and Bob is a, a Georgetown fan. I mean, I did grow up a Georgetown fan and all that. So we're with people, and in, I, I am told that one of the people in this group is Gordon Austin. I'm like, <laughs> holy crap. So I know what I'm talking about for the next hour. And fortunately, he was into talking about all this stuff, you know. So, uh, but anyway, so we start talking. Me, Gordon Austin, his wife, and and Bob. Bob does not know who Gordon Austin is because Bob's a young man. And we're going, and we're really getting to Georgetown. We're talking about the current team. And this was maybe the season was just about to start. Talking about Patrick Ewing and whatever, all your local basketball and all this stuff. And then finally, Bob says to this guy, "Hey, uh, are you a Georgetown fan?" He's like, "Oh no, no." no. He's like, oh, well, I mean, you, you seem to know a lot. He goes, like, well, I played against them. You know. <laughs> oh, really? Where'd you, you play? Yeah, yeah, AU. And, like, this is going to go. And then finally I turned to Bob. I'm like, do you know who this guy is? He's like, he's like, no. I'm like, this guy, I mean, you're too young to remember, but if, for somebody who's old who remembers, remembers Georgetown, this guy caused, you know, outside of Michael Jordan and uh, Harold Jensen and, uh, you know, the – the Florida Gulf Coast kids, like this guy, causes you know more pain than like anybody, and uh, you know. So anyway, so he he, he was he had fun with it, and uh, so that was like bizarre for me. Like holy crap, this dude who I thought about for thirty something years is like literally having a drink with me. What was his? Did he have any sort of like crazy, you know, moment from that game, or you know, was there any he, sort he of just, interesting thing? He basically, the one thing I remember him saying was that, like, Gene Smith, who was known as, like, this really, really gritty defender, like, the, you know, all, uh, like an all-timer when it came to, like, this, you know, full-court man-to-man defense kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that Gene Smith was just hounding him and just, uh, 
he said a few things that were going on between them, but I'll leave uh, the cutting room floor. But basically, he just said that Gene Smith was very aggressive, and he remembered like just getting the ball over the court was uh, was was a challenge. Did he ever end up playing anywhere? Did he, you know, get any truck? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, he was not like you know a uh, tall man, and uh, you know. Uh, hot, huge moment for him, but I think being you know, the point guard for AU back then was not doing too much for your career. Those are the, those are the kind of guys, and I, I I still play in an adult league. I play thirty five and over now, but those are the kind of guys that in my time playing adult league since um, <clears throat> college, there's guys that you play against, and you're just like that guy doesn't look any good. He's not on the all airport team, and then he plays, and you're like, okay, where where did you play? You know, and you see a lot, it's a lot of D3 guys, a lot of, you know, D3, D2, whatever. But there's just, you know, obviously, you know, it's not something that you can make a living off of, but it's pretty cool to be that guy that just shows up to an adult league game. Like, I'm assuming he could and just, you know, be better than almost everybody. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think it's one of those weird things. Obviously, everybody has their own story, but, you know, you, you put in the time and the effort to do this thing, We all you know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I never got to that level by uh, not even like a bit by a bazillion years. But I spent all day of my life playing basketball, shooting when it's all I wanted to do. And like, obviously, some people, you know, however it works out, they 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 can get to a certain point where maybe it is high school, maybe they do sneak into college or whatever, and uh, you know, they they can play at a at a good clip. And like, because you're playing against other people who know how to play. And then some, you know, depending, you know, we all have these conversations on the side about guys who went to Georgetown and other places, and you're like, oh, man, thought he might have a chance to go pro, never worked out, or he, you know, he never looked up for the hype. But obviously, yeah. they're still really good players. And then when you get them, then when they go back to real life, so to speak, and you see yeah. them out in the wild, and you're like, oh, damn, like, okay, compared to the other guys <laughs> you're playing with, you know, whatever, but like, uh, you know, you, it, it, it's not just like you can make a shot or two, you can sort of tell when somebody knows how to play and do the thing. Um, yeah. Well, there's that, just, that, I, that's a different level. Yeah. I, I always tell people, cause I think that when you're in the moment and particularly like around here, you know, there's this expectation to go and play all these great places, but you know, if you go and play like NAIA D3, I had a bunch of guys or I had a couple friends that played D3 and when they come back, just the, fi- the fact that they were practicing for four years and playing and not just, you know, you know, now I feel like when you play pickup, everyone wants to be Steph Curry. Steph Curry kind of ruined pickup basketball. That's sort of my TED talk. Um, and you get the guys that know what they're doing. It's it's pretty cool. Speaking of that, I saw Jason Williams. Someone posted Jason Williams was playing um, a pickup game, and it was just ridiculous. About white, you're talking about white white chocolate. Yeah, it was it was on it was on Twitter today, and it was just he was playing a pickup game, and it was not fair. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, he's a guy that is just like you know that's got to be, uh, you know, preposterous. Like the the tricks he can pull, you know what, you know whether he can move or whatever. I don't know, but like the yeah, the tricks he he was pulling were pretty uh, ridiculous. It's always crazy to me that he and Randy Moss uh, grew uh, grew up together. Um, yeah. Hey. So by the way, well, speedway. I you know how like my 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 fun is to uh, sort of uh, put a fly in the ointment of your big plan here with with some randomness. Okay. So since you went to story time, yeah, well, it's I was Christmas thinking, Eve. I was, well, okay, why well, don't I? Uh, so like, you know, it got me reminiscing. So I was thinking back to some things like if we did like a you know a year end or a decade end show, like things to 
consider, like, for example. Oh, that, you, that's going to be the next show. Oh, that's the next show? But why, we can, am I on that show? Uh, yeah, well, definitely. Um, but we can we can go ahead and give a little bit of a, of a sneak preview. Uh, by the way, I just want to say, first of all, this is by far the most positive Georgetown podcast you and I have ever <laughs> recorded, to this point at least. I mean, you um, have to remember, though, we did start off crushing the original schedule that Ewing had, so... <laughs> well, that's well. Look, I mean, I, it's, it's never going to be perfect. I mean, we're never going to be Mr. Sunshine, <laughs> the Sunshine Boys. All right. Anyway, um, the, the the best moments of the decade, and hopefully, I'm getting these right. So, I, I'll I'll go first if you want. The best moment of the decade. It could be however you want to be. Um, I'll give you a second to think about it. I, I would go with the the last. Yeah. game against Syracuse yeah. in the Big East. Now, part part of it was like being there. Somebody today told me I'm the kind of person that always seems blase about everything, but I never think anything is good. So the fact that whether I don't know if that's true, but the fact that I remember this moment being like, wow, this is so cool. That game, I mean, there was so much going into it. Uh, nobody wanted to lose it. Um, you know, obviously, I, mean, I grew up with this whole thing, and it just you know sucks that the whole Big East was changing at that point and uh well you know that game really mattered for georgetown too like besides uh, it being like you know game day was there uh, it was it was uh, it was the, the, i mean the big so, yeah i mean georgetown you know was able to you know there was three teams that shared the title that year and because of the way the tiebreakers went if georgetown won they were going to be the one seed in the Big East tournament which is what ended up happening right yeah, yeah, no, that was that was just a fun atmosphere, and like that was, uh, you know, capping a a season that was just you know such a wild one because it was you know as we talked about the other day it was not for the same reasons but kind of like this one where things were going a certain way and then something happens that changed the team to change the course and instead of things going sideways or down it like skyrocketed up because Otto Porter turned in to be the best player in the conference. And, um, you know, it really led to just a, a fun year. Do you remember what you said to me when the game was about to start? Um, can you pass the Cheetos? I don't know what. I mean, actually, not that. That's actually a pretty good guess. Um, so it was probably the most, I mean, even like a couple weeks ago when Syracuse was in town, the, the arena was pretty full. It was 15,000. It felt like 15,000. There was 20,000 on hand for this game, and it wasn't just people that were there. It was people that were really into it. Game day was there, so the arena had been open longer than normal for fans, all all that stuff. And, you know, there was, it, was, it was just probably, was probably the most intense home Georgetown game that I've been a part of, and I've been to a lot of games. And you kind of, you just like, it was right before the National Anthem, you kind of just nudged me, and you were like, look at Otto. It looks like he's just waiting in line at Subway. Like the moment, <laughs> you know, you're just like, like this guy, the moment, like he's just a, he's just a college basketball robot. Like you can just, he just came from somewhere. No one knows in Missouri showed up and was just, just, you know, taking names and getting rebounds and making big shots. And I thought that was just a hilarious line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that now, by the way, I, sp- I spoke to him the other day because the bulls were here. Okay. He, he didn't play because he's got a foot injury. Right. Um, I mean, it's the same same dude. Nothing seems to, you know, he's just really chill. His hair has grown out more, and it's uh, more teased out, and he's got it's a more uh, 
bling going on. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that guy, I mean, I would love to see a situation where out of work could stay healthy and maybe we'd never get there. I don't know. And, like, he was like, well, unfortunately, he went with the Wizards. He was good, but never, they never put him in a position to be great. And yeah. I would love to see him with the ball in his hands late in the game because if there's a guy with no pulse, it would be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, you got to cover him on the Wizards, so you had m- much more access and, you know, not just more access, but when you had the access, you had more opportunity to kind of get to know him. Um, I just had, the you know, the one and a half years at Georgetown – but I do remember probably the the most I feel like I ever connected with Otto Porter was when sometimes for these mid this mid the midweek availabilities I'll wear stuff and you'll sort of be like really you're wearing that um, and I think I was wearing an Arsenal shirt and Otto was you know he was actually at, you know at, at that point and maybe it's, the kids still are like FIFA was like a really big soccer game so he got to open up a little bit and he was talking about he likes to play with Real Madrid. And things like that. And that's kind of the only time I ever felt like we heard something from Otto other than just, you know, normal, you know, coach speak type answers he would he would give us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, for uh for for sure. Okay, wait, I have so so here's my next question. Yeah. Is it is auto related. Okay. We're recording this on well so okay, so first of all we've said it five times, Christmas Eve. I was going for the day of the week, but yeah, Christmas Eve. It's it's uh, it's, uh, Tuesday. Okay. In any event, um, Otto Porter was effectively the last Georgetown player to play in the NBA. I mean, I now he's the only, and now he's the only player active. Well, that's what I was getting to. So, so Marcus Derrickson. I mean, maybe he played a game or two, but like you know, we're talking like you know, for real. I mean, not no disrespect to him. I'm just saying, like you know. So 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 it's now been a long time. We basically when he auto left, it was, he was in the 2013 draft. We've gone a long time. I can't mm-hmm. comprehend that there's been in, in the since JT two, you know, started having uh, John Dern and Craig Shelton and those and, and Sleepy Floyd. I can't comprehend there's been more than like a two or three year gap that Georgetown never didn't put guys in the league at least you know with some regularity. So it's kind of wild that that we're here and um, except except yeah, that it's so you not up, when you think about the results they've had on the court, like that's obviously related right <laughs> sorry um no 100 percent. but just the fact that we're you were here but even still like you know there's like you know michael sweet he was always on good teams or uh you know like you just figure that there's somebody who you know considering the the players that they've had yeah they haven't had guys who, who were who were all americans but you would have thought somebody breaks there it just never happened well i think you know, obviously Copeland, not, I mean, basically that was the class, right? That was the class that probably got, you know, let's be honest, JT3 fired. And that was the class that didn't produce any pros. And, you know, it's tough to get blamed for everything, but it kind of all goes back to that, to that class. And Copeland was the last five-star, you know, D- DSR was an undersized, an undersized guard, even smaller than Austin Freeman, you know, Jesse just, I mean, yeah, they just, they just stopped bringing in the recruits. Have you yeah. Uh, recovered? Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I had a cough. I, I decided okay. you guys need to hear that for a second. Um, but yeah, no, but it's just wild. I mean, to think about all the different guys. I mean, this isn't, this isn't Georgetown specific, but recently I was thinking about how the, you know, the D.C. area is considered to be, you know, one of the elite 
places for basketball town. Prince George's County in particular is just, you know, crazy. And in recent years, it was a, you could point to a lot of guys from this area who were in the league, including Jeff Green and Roy Hibbert. But I, but I've said recently that while he's still Kevin Durant, though he's hurt, and you have Victor Oladipo, who has been hurt until I think just recently, um, they it's kind of fallen off to a degree. And and while not all these Georgetown guys are from this area, but it's sort of uh, just sort of intertwines it for me because of the fact, like, uh, so we didn't even say I guess Jeff Green yesterday, so Monday was released by Utah. I think it was Monday by by, by Utah. And, um, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, I, somebody told me he just has not been playing well at all. Um, I thought he was pretty good for the Wizards last year. Well, even taken before that, I mean, he helped. I mean, Cleveland doesn't get to the finals if he doesn't have that game seven. That's only a couple of years ago. Right. And that's why I think for whatever it's worth, like, this is just a guess. And maybe it'll happen by the time we people hear this. But I would, I'm, I'm guessing the Lakers. He ends up there. I mean, they just need, you know, depth. And, I, I, you know, I can't comprehend that Jeff Green's falling off the map. But anyway, in terms of the Georgetown part, like, it is wild like, to go through the guys. I mean, Jeff, you had Jeff Green, you know, over a decade ago, but he's the guy that takes the team to a, to a final uh, four. To a final four, and he's on, the, he's on the team with Corey Hibbert, and then Greg Monroe comes in there a little bit later, and, and you know, then you have uh, Otto Porter, and you're thinking, like, okay, this is just how it's going to go, and then all of a sudden, like, they just haven't gotten anybody, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I would sit here and say, who do you think is next? I don't. I guess is right now. It's not somebody on this on this team. I think it but, would be Pickett. Uh, you know, I still think Pickett uh, has. Yeah, I mean, from a physical. I mean, you're Taven. I, I I just don't know if he's quick enough to deal with NBA bigs. The game has sort of evolved away from his type of player in general. But he is pretty efficient, and you know, sometimes it's just you got to get the right spot, and who knows? But uh, yeah. McClung, I don't know. We'll see. He's just got to get. He's got to get much, much better defensively. But uh, but I don't know. It'll just be fascinating. I mean, what, when is the next time that Georgetown gets a guy in the league? It's really been. I mean, that's one thing I used to. I've loved about covering the NBA is seeing all these guys come back through, and now there's no guys. Yeah, well, you know, when we have our review show, which needs to be soon, um, when you look at this last decade, there was the first five years, and then there was the second five years. First five years, I know the tournament results weren't there. It's a pretty good five years for Georgetown basketball. Relevant the whole time, ranked pretty much the whole time, in the tournament the whole time. And then there's this other part. And, you know, you can blame coaching or recruiting or whatever, but, you know, the players didn't end up getting through, like you said, to the NBA. And that's the problem, right? At the end, I mean, it's not that complicated. You have to have good players, and good players get to the NBA. So players yeah. stop going to the NBA and Georgetown stop being good. Those, I mean, it's not that complicated, right? I know I'm stepping all over your uh, decade and review show, but I don't know what questions you're going to have, so I'm just making these up. Okay. But like, the, 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 there's like a connection here. Like I was thinking before, like what 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 questions was I going to pose to you? And one question sort of is, is talks about what you're just discussing, and that is how things you had this sort of distinct period where things were going pretty good and then it fell off. But of course. If you, you know, if you ask people what was the, the, the toughest part of the decade, they honestly would probably point to some of those Florida well, Gulf Coast situations where Georgetown's got a high hopes and they get dashed. I think in, you have to go deeper there. than that, though. I think, like, I, th- I feel like tournament upsets can happen. Well, but I mean, don't, that, that, that they happen continu- continuously. But that, but that was even my, my, my point. But the, like, yeah. so everything was kept, kept going. You had, like I said, you had the Jeff Green, Roy Hibbert, Greg Monroe, 
you know, Austin Freeman, Otto, he didn't make pros, but, you know, very obviously great player. Yeah, Jason uh, Clark, Otto Corner, um, yeah, Chris Thompson. And then so you get to – then you get to Otto Porter, and then it uh, it kind of stopped. I mean, DSR was a very good player, but he kind of like – that's when it started to be like they didn't have enough depth and things like that. And and I, but my question to you, this is my the longest way, way to set up a question, was going to be what's your biggest what if of the decade? And for me, it I, is – I hope I don't agree Whitting. with you. Oh, God. It's well, just, for me, God it's Greg it. Whittington. Yeah, right, yeah, I, told, you I got, totally agree. You gotta stop. Uh, you know, you gotta stop listening to me. You, you know, you listening to my books on tape at night, and that gets in your brain. Um, well, it makes, I it makes, just, always... just to be fair, at night, um, apparently, when this podcast is known to put people to sleep, so <laughs> only have, only when I'm on it. I have reports from my girlfriend that if you listen to this at night and you're and you're on, which basically you're like a co-host at this point, not you're not you're not getting producer credit yet, but um, your voice has been known to put people to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, no, my my voice, personality, all those things. Um, but uh, but no, but but Greg Whittington. I mean, not only was he super intriguing, you know, six nine, long arms, could shoot, could run the court, and that guy. I still I still was blown away when I heard John Thompson Jr. when he had his when he still had his. I guess he still has radio show, or maybe he was at least on the radio, whatever it was. He he was asked about Whittington, and he said Whittington had a chance to be the best defensive player. In program history, I, I think, yeah, I don't think there was a qualification like since somebody. I think he just said the best. Now, it was, he's it a was because of, he felt that he could guard anywhere from a one to a five. Right, right, and obviously it's a different type of player than Patrick Ewing or Alonzo Mourning. But regardless, and I remember hearing that, and I, to hear that person make that kind of massive statement is wow. Right, I mean that you know, and then Whittington obviously it just didn't work out. You know, he gets kicked off the team, but, but like, you know, you could just sort of tell, like, he uh, wasn't always, like, you know, as, as focused. I mean, you know, if you, you know, if you put Otto Porter's basketball mind and motor into Greg Williams' body, you probably have a perennial NBA all-star. Um, but anyway, it, it, you know, that season we just discussed, Whittington obviously gets suspended. We kind of don't know what Georgetown's going to happen to them. Otto Porter then emerges, and you think, well, wow, what if Whittington has been a part of that team and you had him and Otto, where that could have gone? And then, Otto leaves, which was logical. He was a top three pick in the draft, as it turned out. But then Whittington hypothetically stays, and now he's your new all-Big East type of level guy, perhaps. So he hadn't proven it yet, but he seemed to have that game. And then it didn't happen. He he left that, that team the same year with everybody coming back besides those two people, well, basically. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, was, it was just really bad. So going back even further, um, obviously you have a relationship with a lot of NBA scouts from all of your NBA reporting. Uh, there used to be so many people covering Georgetown games that I used to have what I would consider a not great seat. And I would sit by the scouts a lot. And there used to be a lot of scouts at games and the freshman year for Otto and them, which was the 11, 12 season, I was sitting by a scout and I'd always, you know, try and talk to them. And sometimes they blew me off and sometimes they were super cool. And one of the guys one year, it was early on in that year. And he was, I was like, you know, who are you here for? Like what's going on? And he thought Greg Whittington was the best pro prospect they had on that team. And that, that was a team with Hollis, with Henry, with Jason. Otto was a freshman. Greg was a freshman. And he thought he was their best prospect that year. And his freshman stats don't really blow you out of the water at all. Neither do Otto's, by the way. I mean, Otto was the – his sophomore year was the conference player of the year. His freshman year, he wasn't even on the, on the all-freshman team. And, you know, you could say some of that is the Princeton offense and 
yada, yada, yada. But um, Greg was that guy, and then he got hurt. I don't know. If, I can't remember if it was in Kenner League, but it was in the summer. And it was looking like Greg was going to be probably healthy at the end of the season. So it was like, you know, is he going to come back for just like, you know, the last five or ten games and play? Or is he going to redshirt the whole year? And then they went down to Puerto Rico for that tournament, and he got in trouble. And that was that. And he was, you know, going to transfer to Rutgers. And I think, I think, well, I think you asked JT three, and you're like, you know, can you comment on Greg going to Rutgers? And I think JT 3s response was, "Do you know that to be sure?" <laughs> or something like that. And it never ended up happening. But yeah, Greg Winnington's got to be the biggest what if. And then the next year, if you or no, it was that year. It was it was that year. So Greg is hurt. The team had made the tournament in 10, 11, 12, 13, four straight years. We're in the 14th season, and Josh Smith who was one of the guys that they got to kind of like, you know, just kind of like bridge the gap. That's when recruiting was starting to get not like, not so great. And then Josh Smith got suspended at midseason, and that team just missed the tournament. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and you're right. I mean, that was like, well, we're, we're going down the path, but yeah, the, 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 the when Whittington, when, when Whittington wasn't around and then like this sort of the natural evolution of guys you know, graduated, and then yeah. it was like it, it, it wasn't getting filled in as well. And then um, you, that's when you, had, you started seeing the random things like Josh Smith and, um, uh, you know, the, I mean, ultimately leading to you know, bringing in a Juco and Jonathan Mulmore, you know, a decent player and all that. But, uh, you know, not a guy that you typically would have seen Georgetown considering and uh, and, and so on. So, uh, they yeah. They figured I mean, it out uh, for the it, next season. Like the next season they figured it out when Otto's class was seniors, you know, with, with Jabril – and Hopkins, even Bowen, they figured it out. Um, but it was, you know, it was just, and that's why I go back to blaming the class of Copeland and White and uh, who Peak and the point guard that transferred to South Carolina, Trey Campbell. Sure. That was sort of that was sort of the class that, okay, these these are the guys, and they had they had a really good freshman season. They got the team in the tournament, and it's been it's been not great since then. And now, to me, that's the class when you look at it and you're like, okay, this just didn't work out and they just weren't able to recover. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, <clears throat> it, it, it'd be where we're talking about how big, the biggest what if of a decade was a guy leaving and how that, you know, not saying Greg Whittington stays, Georgetown is, a, you know, not, you know, JT3 still here, nothing's changed and all that, but um, – but now we're to, now we're at a team that just lost a bunch of dudes and you know have have now suddenly looked like they're really good and you know we'll see again the Big East will be a whole different challenge no depth you know can't afford can't afford any more injuries all that stuff but clearly they've shown that they've got a a good thing going on they've got a good sense of themselves uh, you know playing at a pretty a pretty high level and uh, it'd be walking out know, kind of funny that if uh, this team if it turns into something special that it, it evolved because people left the program which is Typically not when good things happen. So biggest what ifs, definitely a good question. I have a couple honorable mentions. We don't have the time to do it tonight, but um, we do need to talk next week. Maybe even Andrew will grace us with, with his presence, although I'm not counting on it. Um, do you have another another good topic? Because I, th- I like these topics. I know that you at The Athletic, you and Patrick Stevens and some other people, I think collaborated on an all-decade team, which makes a lot of sense. And there's not a lot of argument I have with who you guys selected. Um, but I, I do like these, these, you know, off the wall questions or, you know, not just the straight, the, you know, the, the straight path. Do you have any other 
any other interesting questions you want to you want to take us um i don't know if i have another one that i know we don't have a ton of time that 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 would that i could uh bang out uh quickly i i i guess you know i'll get, i'll just throw one more what if into the equation and this is one that you know you and i have talked about in some capacity many times i mean a lot of georgetown fans have gone this way but I think based on how things worked out for both players, it is definitely a massive what if. And that what if is what if, for whatever the reason they didn't do it in the first place, Georgetown actually recruits Josh Hart and oh, he God. comes here instead of what's the kid I'm blanking on? The uh, Domingo the and Cameron? Yeah, Stephen Domingo. Um, you know, Stephen Domingo was a kid who, you know, God bless him, but don't know him. But like he was like an uh, under 17 team, I think. Looks like, yeah. you know, wow, if you're on that Gold kind metal. of team, you must be – right, right. I mean, yeah, well, it doesn't mean necessarily going to be Reggie Williams, who was a perimeter kind of player. But, like, okay, should be a good player and just could not play at all. And it, it, I don't know if this will be a fact and whether it was a one for you know, either or, but, like, that was a spot they could have given to Josh Hart. They just basically didn't recruit him. And Josh Hart goes to Villanova and obviously turns him to be one of the best players they had and a huge part of, of – uh, he was on two teams, right? Two title teams. Was he on both? Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, obviously you never know how these things go, but like based on the player that he turned out to be and you would have had him in this sort of latter part of the decade, right? What, you know, how does that change? Uh, how does that change? And that's not like a, like a lot of times these things are like, why didn't you draft you know, the 10th pick? Why didn't you draft that guy who went 29th and turned into an all-star? Okay. That's silly, but this was a legitimate, this dude wanted to go to this to Georgetown. He grew up here. He wanted to go here, and they effectively just didn't go that way. And so, you know, if they had, what 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 would it have been? Yeah. Well, we did promise people we were going to be uplifting on this um, holiday. <laughs> so we're we, say again, we are we are running out of town. But I'll. That's definitely a great what if, and we can we can talk more about that. I have a couple other what ifs. What, what ifs are what ifs are fun though, even if they're well. But you know what though, not. None of none of the what ifs are positive that I have. So let's just end it but, on but, this. But are what ifs are what ifs ever positive? Isn't sort of the point? Like you don't know what would happen, but you're spinning something. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. What you got? Well, there? it could be like you know, what if Jeff Green doesn't? Well, that's that's a different decade. But anyway, so I was gonna say, I think one of the one of the more interesting things is like the most fun game of the decade, and I've got two candidates. And shocker, they're both well. There's a couple candidates, but. Both of my candidates are pretty early in the decade. There's that Missouri non-conference game where anytime somebody tried to point out that the Princeton offense can't score, I would point to that. And then there was also the Villanova Blizzard game. And I can expand more on that and how I even got to that game, which is a pretty crazy story, um, where they also scored over 100 points. Those are kind of like both of the games were like, look, you can score playing this way. Those games were crazy fun. Uh, yeah, I certainly remember the Missouri game. It always made me – I always thought the fault, the, the quote-unquote flaw with JT3's Princeton wasn't the Princeton. It was just sort of letting the other team dictate terms. He seemed to be willing to do more than I would maybe think. And the Missouri game was one where it worked positively. Missouri did something that took Georgetown – took Georgetown's game to another level. But it was always like, wait, dude, why don't you, why don't you run the ball more? Why don't you play more up-tempo instead of being more deliberate and, uh, you know, I guess they just didn't play enough. They didn't play enough teams that that ran Missouri's uh, Missouri's set, or maybe they would have. 
Well, I mean, you know, generally that's sort of the thing about, you know, playing to the other team. Georgetown during that period, like let's say from like 2006 to, you know, 2013, they generally had more talent than the other team, which means you want to dictate what you do. Now, Missouri that night was silly enough to be like, we're just going to try and outscore them. And they're like, oh, we can also do that. <laughs> yeah. I know we need to go. So on a positive note, I, I, I'm i demanding everybody, uh, once you're done with your family and before you go to bed, go to go to YouTube and Google Mac McClung dunk, watch your favorite <laughs> one, and then uh, and then put that thought in your, in your head as you go to sleep. All right, Ben. Well, thanks for joining on Christmas Eve. And hopefully we've teased enough of our decade review that people are going to are going to listen to that one. All right, man. Signing off.